Hey, welcome to the Urban Crofters podcast. We're a church family based in Roth, Cardiff, seeking to connect, create, and transform the community around us, kingdom style. We hope you enjoy. I'm excited because we're doing Acts chapter 2, which is all about the Holy Spirit and movement of the Holy Spirit. I'm doing part one. And next week, Abby is going to do part two. So we're going to cover the same entire chapter, but we're going to come from different angles. And so if I miss something, ah, talk to Abby and make sure she puts it in hers. Any case, I need you to get your Bible because it's a really long chapter. So you want to get your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, then go to an app or you can go to BibleGateway.com. And in the meantime, while you're getting your Bible and opening up to Acts chapter 2, let's take a look back, take a step back, because we need to understand Acts in its Jewish context. You see, there are no Gentiles in Acts until, until chapter 10, really. They don't, that's, that's when they start to come in. So Jesus was the Jewish Messiah. He was a Jewish man. There were, and there were expectations on what the Messiah was going to do and what he was going to be. So even after Jesus resurrects, spends 40 days with the apostles and the disciples, teaching them all sorts of stuff, they still don't entirely get it because their expectation based on the prophecies in the scriptures, there's no New Testament at this point, is that the Messiah is going to reign from Jerusalem and he is going, and all the nations are basically going to bow down to Israel uh, and, and with that, the Romans. So we need, are you going to boot out the Romans and Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? This is a very Jewish concept. Okay. And and part of that also is the new covenant is supposed to mean that you don't need renewals anymore. You don't need to make a new covenant with, with the people of Israel because the Holy Spirit is going to teach them all things, right? And so let's stop for a moment and take a look at, at, at different renewals in Israel's history. There's a lot of them. Renewals, revivals, awakenings, whatever word you want to put on it. The Holy Spirit has moved in the dark times in Israel's history and has, and has caused awakenings where they returned to God, where they repented. That word repent means to turn back, right? So you could start here with uh, the Exodus and Moses. You can go in Judges. It's all over Judges. Judges is a mess where people have just gone nuts and then and then they lose God's blessing. They turn to God and they say, oh, God, help us. We repent. And then God and God intervenes. You have King David. What a revival that was in bringing the, starting the tabernacle and making Jerusalem the home for the ark. Okay. You have all the way, you, then the different kings. And this is, this is where you have different generations. Right? You have Hezekiah. We talked about this in the summer uh, when we did a little royal taster in Kings. King Hezekiah has basically a renewal where he gets rid of all the idols, where he stops the pagan worship. And he returns to celebrating the, the Jewish festivals, the biblical festivals. So that's one generation. The next generation, Manasseh, totally blows it. 
and, and ends up returning to idolatry, but kind of returns back to God in the very end. But then his son, third generation, Ammon, forget about it. He's already, it's, it's that revival back in Hezekiah's time, forget about it. But then in the fourth generation, you get Josiah. King Josiah, who then discovers the book of the law and brings about basically uh, the kingdom of Judah's final revival in turning to God. So there is a pattern where you have revival, renewal, and then you have maybe over a few generations, things kind of decline, and then you get another revival. And that's, a note, and that's something that's been noted with different movements as well. So I want you to remember that. So there is a cry, and this... In, in the Psalms 85.6, will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? So we have this pattern all the way. And so this is their expectation is, okay, this is going to be the final revival, right? Holy Spirit's coming. And Jesus says, it is not for you to know the dates or times. He's like, don't worry about when the, your kingdom to Israel. He doesn't say it's not going to happen. He just says, don't worry about it right now. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Okay, and, and, and so if you look at it with my ugly triangles, okay, if we look at biblical history a little differently, not just through the covenants. God starts with the nations of the world. Then he moves to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So he gets a little bit, he narrows down, focuses on this family. And it, Jacob becomes Israel, where we get the Israelites from and the 12 tribes. Then he goes down, then he chooses a, a particular kingdom, Judah. And that's, and, and you can looking kings and that history with the exile and all that. And then, but you have King David from the tribe of Judah. And then from that time, it's the, it's those Jude, Judahite kings that I just mentioned were the ones that had the renewals, but really then it comes down to the Messiah. So here's our movement. And then it goes, it gets narrower and narrower. Then the Holy Spirit comes and we are starting in Jerusalem and we're going to widen our scope to Judah. So you can look at Judah as really the people who are maybe not as religious, but know about God and follow, you know, had an upbringing God, but maybe don't know quite as much. Then Samaria, you've heard about Samaritans before maybe, that they're trying to follow God, but they don't quite have it right. Um, and then the nations of the world, it widens out. So we have this direction narrowing, we get to the Messiah, and we move out. And this is where Jesus is starting to take them to. So let's open up Acts chapter 2. Now this part's gonna, a long chapter, I'm going to read it. So you can either fast forward it and read it on your own, or you can just li listen to me as, as I read it from the uh, NIV, the New International Version. When the day of Pentecost, Shavuot, so I might replace some words here. When the day of Pentecost, Shavuot, came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came on each one of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. 
Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, are all these men Galileans? Are all those who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, They've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs in the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Yeshua of Nazareth, was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will also rest in hope, because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with your presence. Fellow Israelites, I tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on the throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of Mashiach, Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Yeshua, Jesus, to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of the Father, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you see and hear. 
for David did not ascend to heaven. And yet he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you have crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to people, Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far, far off, for all whom the Lord will call. With many words he warned them and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted their, his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to, to them that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Wow, that's a big chapter, isn't it? Okay, so if you are taking a break, this is where you want to start again. Okay, and the first thing we need to mention is that this is Shavuot. Okay, this is the Feast of Weeks. And in Jewish tradition, sorry, in Jewish tradition, the feast, first of all, Feast of Weeks is a biblical holiday, a biblical feast. It comes 50 days after Passover, after Pesach. So there were three festivals, biblical festivals, that Jews were expected to make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. The first was Pesach, Passover. The second was Shavuot, or the Feast of Weeks. And the third was Sukkot, which is a whole interesting thing unto itself, the Feast of Tabernacles. Okay, And it was a harvest festival. It celebrated the end of the barley uh, harvest and the beginning of the wheat harvest. So it's a first fruits festival. And you'd bring two loaves of bread. You'd be praising God. There's, but it also has a tradition in, in the Dead Sea Scrolls of being a time of covenant renewal, of renewing yourself to God. In later Jewish tradition, which was probably around at this time, but not codified, was that this was a time that Moses received the, uh, the Torah, the five books of Moses, the law, on Mount Sinai. And, and so there's a lot you can say about the law being written on our hearts and in the New Covenant. Um, and, and also the book of Ruth was read. So you think about that, that Shavuot gives a little hint that what's going to happen in chapter 10, that Gentiles are going to be a part of this because in the book of Ruth, Ruth who is not Jewish says your people will be my people and your God will be my God. But what's 
interesting here for us to note is that this that the people who come are all religious Jews. It says that God-fearing Jews, and they come from all over the known world. So Rome and Parthia and Arabia. So they're not Arabs. They're Jews. It even makes a point to say that there are converts to Judaism. Because at this time, there were people who were proselytizing. The Pharisees were known for this. So you had people who were converting to following the one true God, to following uh, Yahweh. Um, and you have God-fearers. So, so these are all Jews coming from different parts. So you say, okay, well then why do they need separate tongues? Why is this such a big deal? And here's another thing of looking at it. Well, let's, let's think about it, is that if you grew up in, in Arabia, and for generations and generations, you're part of the diaspora. That's where the Jews were spread all over the known world through the exile, or just life in general. Um, your first language, your heart language, is probably going to be Arabic, isn't it? Okay. You might know Hebrew in the same way that, I don't know, Annalena, whose parents are German. But she, her heart language is, might be English because she's grown up speaking English. So God shows his love in pouring out his Holy Spirit that he cares enough that you get the message in the language of your heart, your heart language. And that's part of the miracle of this particular gift of tongues. So we, so he, and, and this is important because he's speaking in Jerusalem. He is speaking, Peter is speaking in Jerusalem. He, they're speaking to Jewish people, but there's also this foretaste that this is going to be a multicultural movement. And if you've ever been to Israel, let me tell you, it's pretty multicultural there. You know, the Moroccan Jews don't like the Russian Jews. The Russian Jews don't like the Ashkenazi, you know, these Jews, the Sabras, the Sabras don't like anybody. So you know, it's, it's a pretty multicultural place, despite all being Jewish. So Peter speaks to them in the language they understand as well, from the prophets. So he's, these are people who know the prophets. These are people who have come a long way, spent a lot of money to, to, be, to hear something from God, to experience something from God, right? So you think about Hajj and, and, and the Muslim Hajj. It's really expensive to go on Hajj, even the pilgrimage to Mecca and Medina. And you would go, if you're a Muslim, you would go with an expectation that God's going to meet you there in some interesting way. Well, they've already probably, because it's so expensive, they probably already have been there for Passover and heard about this Yeshua, this Jesus. They probably, they, um, they probably know what's going on. They might have even been in the crowd that shouted out, crucify him. And so Peter speaks to them as people in the know of what's been going on, but also in the know of these prophets. He speaks to them as a brother, as a fellow Israelite. So there's no room for Christ killers here, anti-Semitism that has plagued the church. He's a Jew talking to other Jews. And he, and he goes through the prophet Joel, how it's going to be all different ages. And he gets, and he gets to, and when the, and he gets to the part talking about Jesus and they're cut to the heart. And they say, well, what are we, what are we going to do? And he, and he gives it pretty clear. He says, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ or the Yeshua the Messiah. So you need to turn, so that's understandable. Baptism, I don't know, that's kind of a public declaration, right? And for the forgiveness of your sins. And then you, and then you want to have what we have? 
Well, this is what you have to do. You have to repent. You have to be baptized. You need to receive, you, you, you need to get the forgiveness of your sins through Jesus, through the Yeshua the Messiah, and you can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And it was 3,000. So let's go back here. There's 120 people in the beginning. The Holy Spirit falls. And when they receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, it empowers them in a way something is happening that's different than happened before. Well, what were they doing before? Well, they were doing the same thing that they're doing in Acts in, in verse 42. They were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to breaking of bread and to prayer before Shavuot, before this happened. But when this happened, when the Holy Spirit came, when the Holy Spirit filled them, this was like nothing that happened before. And it empowered them to go from 120 to 3,000 in a day. And it empowered them to, uh, to add people daily to, and also to do something a little different, right? Because now they're sharing everything in common. Now they're making sure the poor are fed. And they're, they're going out and doing things differently. And all those people who, who did get saved, all those Jews, would have gone back home and brought the message with them, out with them. Okay. And so, so what, right? What does this mean for us? Well, I want to talk about whales. And uh, we've had, Will last week had a really good talk about how uh, we need to, we shouldn't just be sitting and waiting for revival, that we need to be living now and doing things now. And the same way that's what the apostles and the early disciples were doing. And, and so I, we, I agree with that. And that's what we need to be doing. But there's something that happens when the Holy Spirit falls. When, when there's a moment when the Spirit comes and brings renewal. And so we, when we talk about Wales, we tend to look at 1904. But Wales has a whole history. So they, in the, first, the gospel came in the second, third centuries A.D. with the Romans and, and slaves. These are some slides that Jim and I put together when, before we came when we were talking about uh, coming to Wales. Okay, and, the, and, and so you had the sixth century Welsh revival of Celtic missionaries from from uh, Wales going, and they came to in Wales. Sorry. <laughs> 6th century Welsh revival, right? St. David and all these other saints. Okay, and, and then they're bringing it up th into Ireland. And then that's going from Ireland, you know, St. Patrick, right? And it's going up into Scotland. It goes down into England. And then uh, before Anselm of Canterbury, before the Roman church got there, okay? Then we have 18th and 19th century Welsh revivals that sent missionaries to India and China, Korea. The British Informed Bible Society was established. Then you have the 1904 Welsh revival, and that also goes out to the world, okay? And, and, the, and then we see a church, a decline in the church, sorry, uh, from World War II in the 1960s onward. And so when I was here in 1995 on this mission trip to Wales, I can tell you that things were pretty dead. And then by 2015 of the 3.2 million Welsh population, an estimate 4.9% attend church, 140,000 people, okay? We've seen churches close and up for sale, turn into Islamic centers, turn into art centers, turn into everything, all sorts of things have, that have been going on, okay? I know what it is to be in a revival. I know it is when the Holy Spirit falls because that's what happened with the Soviet Union. When I brought that group in 1995, yeah, the revival was still kind of going on. 
And it was starting to peter out as they do. But the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes and moves, thousands of people came to Christ. And they were bringing that to Wales and praying through Wales. But I can tell you, Wales was a lot harder than it is now. And it's very interesting because uh, when does revival happen? Well, revival or spiritual renewal or awakening happens. It often happens when, under what conditions? This is Louis Goldberg. He is a uh, Messianic Jewish scholar. Under what conditions? It appears to occur in times of moral declension and breakdown when crises come to plague a society in the political, social, educational, and economic spheres. Many, time, many times God steps in and turns around the society. Usually he begins to burden a few of the believers within the body of Messiah to pray for an awakening. And then it spreads to touch the hearts of other believers. Okay, I want you to think about the times that we're in and some of the things that I've already said. Okay, in terms of Israel and in terms of Pentecost. Okay, first of all, God is, as he says, God will start with the church, Jerusalem. What is our Jerusalem? I'm, and I'm, and I'm going to ask a controversial question. How many people in our churches, in our churches are new believers have, or people who are just gone from church to church? There's nothing. Now, I don't have a problem with that because right now I think God is building this up and creating our Jerusalem, our God-fearing Jews coming, if you will, in, in anticipation of what God is doing, going to do. The pandemic has revealed the vulnerabilities of and inadequacies of the current Western worldview. Think, look at what's going on with mental health and suicides and people just not even knowing what to do at this point. This is a key moment in history, guys, and we don't want to lose it. The atmosphere is ripe. It's, it is. We've got moral declension. I don't need to go into all the details. But I can tell you that if you look at the four generations, right, you start with the boomers in the 60s where things, where everything blows up. Sexual revolution, all sorts of stuff. At the same time, you have movements of God with the civil rights movement. And we have movements of God with the Jesus movement. Um, that's where a lot of the Messianic Judaism comes out of. Okay, but moral declension and breakdown. So that first generation. Then you've got Gen X, my generation, where we're kind of that second generation of solidifying things and dealing with things and not quite sure, but we're continuing on with that declension and we're teaching it to our children where you get the third generation, the millennials, who where if in my generation it was, well, you probably shouldn't, you know, should you have sex before marriage or not? Now it's, and now we're living together. Now it's, well, why wouldn't you live together? You should be living together. You should have a normal sex life, right? And then you get to now the fourth generation, Gen Z, who are completely confused in many ways. And yet, at the same time, that's why I'm so excited about this generation. Because this is the generation where it says, wait a second, we want something better than this. This isn't working for us anymore, right? Okay, and so I believe that, what, that we're having a shift and we need a shift from business as usual to a movement of the Holy Spirit where God invades history. He did it in the Reformation. He did it in all these other historical times. He did it in medieval times. Okay? He just, not just in 1904. And every time he does things differently and at the same time, it, it causes us to go out. So when we experience the Messiah in a new way through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, what is this going to mean for us? This is our Jerusalem. 
And so if we want, we can have all the programs in the world, but how are we going to get from our small number in the, in, in the church in Cardiff or, or in the world, how are we going to get out there? We need the Holy Spirit to fall. We need revival. We need to keep doing what we're doing. Yes, we need to keep our action. We need to keep our prayer. We need to keep meeting in our missional communities. But we need to be praying for revival so that we can go from Jerusalem to, to our Judah. What is our Judah? All those people who grew up in the church. All those people who have, have turned away from God or or have had religious classes, but have some knowledge. Let's get them back. What's our Samaria? Well, maybe those are the those are Muslims or people into New Age or into all sorts of things that are seeking God and want to serve God, but just don't know how. And then we can take it to the nations of the world. So what we need to do, guys, is we need to start, and we need it starts with our repentance. Revival starts with our repentance. And it's a, with the Holy Spirit falling and we repent before a holy God and the holiness and, and receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit, but that firing up of the Holy Spirit. So I want that. And I hope you want that too. And so as, as we look at Acts, think of it as, as God came in a Jewish way to the Jewish people, to Israel, and it spread out to all the nations of the world. We're going to trust that, that the Holy Spirit is going to come in a way that speaks to the Welsh, to our multicultural society, and empowers us to bring many to God. There are going to be many who don't want to come. And yes, there are things, it'll be a time where it fades out. All you have to do is read the rest of the Acts and the rest of the New Testament to understand that, that the high doesn't always stay. But will you say with me, will you, let's pray together. Lord, will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Urban Crofters podcast. To connect with more of who we are and what we do, visit our website at urbancrofters.co.uk or follow us on socials at urban underscore crofters.